Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a joy to be uh, with you again to open God's Word. And I want to invite you just now to do that with me. To Mark chapter 6, the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Mark 6, verses 1 through 6 together this morning. As you're turning there, I would also invite you to consider what we've just heard and sang together. That we would pay attention. That we'd listen closely to the Lord's Word. Because it is His Word that is being spoken to us. So let us open our ears and open our eyes to see and open our hearts to receive what the Lord would want to speak to us this morning from the Gospel of Mark. Because we know that there is salvation for the people of God given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us hear of this great salvation and also receive it with great joy this morning. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give thanks to God for his holy word this morning. Our great and awesome God, you are glorious and great in all of your ways. We thank you for the grace that you've given to us to hear your word this morning, to wake us to rise to this day, to be called by you, to gather as your people before you, to renew the covenant, to hear you speak your word, and to recall your mighty deeds and your works that you have wrought with your powerful outstretched hand. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we've received in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We also thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us now. May he work in our hearts to continually conform us to the image of your Son, that we might walk according to your way, giving you glory and praise for all that you've done for us and the wisdom that you've imparted to us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the wisdom and the power of God made known to us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, one of the main questions that Mark repeats over and over is, who is this man? Who is this that calms the waves by his words? Who is this that casts out demons from those who are oppressed by the demonic? Who is this man that can look at a sick woman lying on her bed and say, be healed, or to the lame, rise up and walk, or to the leper, yes, be clean? Who is this man who has this authority? Who is this man that can, what we just 
would find out in Mark chapter 5, actually raised the dead. Who is this man? Aren't you glad that if you were to be posed the question about who are you, you wouldn't go to your high school graduating class or maybe to the president of the uh, student council and say, hey, I brought some friends. It's been like 30 years since we've been together, but I would like for you to tell my friends here who I am. You look at the high school friends that you have and say, tell them who I am. We haven't been together for 30 years, but tell them who I am. Aren't you glad that we don't put our uh, best friend from high school on our resumes for referrals? Aren't you glad that, you know, you don't um, think about who was uh, the president of the student council and your um, job reference says, please tell us who the president of your student council was to use as a reference? Nobody does that. Nobody, nobody wants those people answering those questions. Jesus encounters his hometown, and it's like going back to a high school reunion, right? We know this guy. We know who he is. We remember who he was. And one of the interesting things about this passage is, Jesus lived a very ordinary life. Jesus lived a very ordinary life up to the point where he was called by John in the wilderness. He went out to John, and he was baptized by John. And he, when he was baptized, he received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended down from heaven on him, and the Father pronounced, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. From that point on, everything changed. But Jesus hasn't been home back to Nazareth since that happened. Everybody knew the Jesus before the baptism. The carpenter, you know. Mary's son, you know. and His brothers, we know them, and we know who he is and what he was like. And I mean, look at, well, his sisters are even here. We know, we know this man. But do they? Do, do we? Have we become so familiar with our idea of who Jesus is that we've grown comfortable. Yeah, we know. There's, there's nothing new to learn here. We, we know the man. But Mark is constantly asking us to remember that this isn't just Jesus the carpenter from Nazareth. No, Mark chapter 1, verse 1 tells you this is the beginning of the gospel. The glad tidings, the heralding, the news concerning Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. That's his identity. That's who he is. But he comes to his hometown, and they're astonished. And that word astonished is an interesting word there. They're not just, you know, amazed, as Jesus will be amazed and marvel at their unbelief. They're not just simply amazed at what they've heard or what they've received about Jesus, this message that they've seen and this teaching that he's doing. But they're amazed to the point of, and this is what astounded me, they're amazed to the point of confusion. Two ideas are colliding. There's the evidence of Jesus in Mark chapter 5 tells us that he delivers the demoniac. Who has that kind of authority? There's Jesus who heals the woman with the issue of blood. So he has authority in the physical realm. He's able to heal the body in the material realm. He has authority over infirmities. But then he goes and he goes to Jairus' daughter. Remember, she's dead. And he raises her up. Talitha, Kumi, little girl, arise. Who is this man? And with that report following on his sales, the only thing I think that that travels faster than Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is the news about him. 
It always seems to be three steps in front of who he is. So where he shows up in the place and people run out to him, having heard what he has done and having heard what he has said, they run out to him. Well, Jesus comes to his own hometown and notice his disciples are right there with him telling us this is a new situation that Jesus is leading his disciples into. He's leading them into a new circumstance and he takes them back home to his hometown to encounter his friends and his family. This is the year that I celebrate 25 years of being out of high school. Thanks be to God. (laughs) And I've only been invited to go back and preach one time. One time. But I'm not a prophet, nor do I claim to be a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. Uh, My dad's here. He can attest to that. But it's interesting that people in your own hometown hear you differently. They pay attention in a different way. They judge you, really judge you, when you open your mouth with any kind of authority. And Jesus wants to take his disciples right back to the heart of where he's from to show them that there will be times when you speak the gospel and it will spread and you will see fruit, you will see evidence of God's grace. There will be other times that you see you preach the gospel. It just will seem to fall flat. But that's not because of the gospel. That's because the hardness of heart. And what we see in this text is that they should have known and should have seen who Jesus is simply because the questions they ask. They should have seen who Jesus really is. Not the carpenter, not the son of Mary, not the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. They should have seen who Jesus was as Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. But yet, why can they not see it? It's not a rational thing. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a heart issue. And I want to show you this by pointing out to you that we can know that the Lord God The Lord God, Yahweh, is in our midst when you see wise words, wisdom being imparted. Where does wisdom come from? Proverbs 1, Lady Wisdom tells us it's it's from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 8, Wisdom personified, Lady Wisdom, again there is, I was there with the Lord, I came forth from Him. Where does wisdom come from? It's from the Lord. Is there wisdom being taught? Is there wisdom being demonstrated, spoken of in your midst? It's from the Lord. That's one key marker. But the other key marker that tells us that the Lord is in our midst is His mighty works done by His hands. Notice the questions that they ask when Jesus comes to town. He comes in on the Sabbath. He opens His mouth and He teaches them in the synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, we are given the, the grace of knowing the context of his sermon, the content of his sermon. It says in Luke chapter 4, four verse 16 and following, it, that Jesus comes to Nazareth and he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And what does he read? He reads from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim, to herald, to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And there he rolls up the scroll and sits down and tells them what you've heard is fulfilled in your midst. 
I come proclaiming the wisdom of God, salvation for the people of God. But not only proclaiming, I come delivering it. Setting the captives free. Raising the dead. Healing the sick. Are those not the questions? That having heard that sermon, having heard him say that, these are the questions that rise up. Again, they're astonished. They're amazed at what they've heard, but they're confused by the one who's speaking it to them. Listen to the questions. Where did this man get these things? What things? Well, that's in the next two questions. The first thing is, what is the wisdom given to him? What are these things? First, his wisdom. Where did he get it? Second, how are such mighty works done by his hands? Now, when we hear mighty works, we need to hear saving works, delivering works, healing works from his hands. Wisdom and mighty works attest that the Lord is in your midst. Whenever there's wisdom and mighty works, that is answering their question. Where does this come from? How did he get these things? It was all in the sermon. If they would have listened, O Israel, to the word of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Where does this wisdom come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from His Spirit. There's the answer to the questions. Where is this wisdom? How does He do these things? The Spirit of the Lord. This is not little Jesus from Nazareth. This is not buddy Jesus who played with us on the back 40. Something has changed Something new is in our midst. And they're amazed and confused because they know the man. But they have no knowledge of the Spirit. The Spirit and the man is revealing to them that Jesus is God, the Lord, in their midst. There and ready to bring deliverance. There and ready to bring salvation. There and ready to bring them healing. But they're astounded. And they continue to ask questions. But notice the questions switch from theology to anthropology. Isn't this just the carpenter we know? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And notice what switches. They move from astonishment, that's amazement with confusion, to offense. They were offended at him. Who are you to come back home and pretend that you're something great? But wait, is he pretending? No, the evidence attests that he has authority. The witness from the surrounding villages attests to that God is in their midst. But they say, no, it can't be the Lord because we know the man. Human reason 
blinds them from seeing the reality of what's in their midst. Now, I remember human reason, their own ability to work out their conundrum, their own ability to dig through their own confusion and foggy thinking. They need something greater than themselves to solve this conundrum. They need what Jesus has, the Holy Spirit, to show them the evidence and to awaken their hearts not to be offended, but to be open to receive the Lord Jesus. But Jesus says in response to their offense, verse 4 says, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor. The prophet is not without honor, except in his, follow the logic here, except in his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. The prophet, the one sent by God to speak the word of the Lord to the people of God, is not, does not receive honor except, is not without honor except in his hometown, mark that, his relatives and his household. Now Mark is interesting here because he gives us those three distinguishing realms. It's the exact same thing that the Lord God called Abraham out of to send him to a new land. You should be thinking back to Genesis chapter 12 here. Abraham was called out of the land or out of the country, out from his people, out from his father's household. Jesus, too, was called out from among them because a prophet is not without honor except in those places. And isn't that what the Lord often does with the prophets? He calls Abraham out. He's marked as a prophet by the king of Egypt. Abimelech also marks him out as a prophet. People see him as one whom the Lord has his hand on except for his own people. What about Moses? Wasn't he called out from among his people to go into a wilderness place and there the Lord calls him to be his prophet? Even David, for a time, had to leave his father's house, his people, his land, his country, and go to a wilderness place where the Lord shaped him and made him into the man that he would send them back into, deliver the people. Because a prophet is not without honor, except it's only in his hometown that a prophet is disregarded, disrespected, and argued with. Jesus marks this out. He shows them. Your astonishment and your offense is not that the Lord is in your midst. Your astonishment and your offense is that the Lord would use me to teach you about the glory of his kingdom. That he would use me to come to you and to announce The gospel, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. But you can't get beyond mere human thinking. You can't think beyond that. You stop with only what your eyes can see and only what your experience tells you. But we should be warned here. Because it's interesting that Jesus goes to the synagogue on a Sabbath day where people 
gather on the Jewish Sabbath to hear the word of God, to sing the word of God, to pray to God. But here's the question. Do they actually expect God to meet them? Do they actually expect to hear the wisdom of God? Do they actually expect that God would do any mighty work in their midst? You know, it's, I, I hear it, I know it, I, 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 I believe it, but I don't expect anything to really happen. Whoa. Because here we are. The word of God is open to us. His mighty works are being sung about and proclaimed and declared. Do you expect to encounter the living God? Because wherever the wisdom of God is proclaimed and his mighty works are done, he's in your midst. Deuteronomy 4, the Lord God tells his people, who has spo- what other gods has spoken to his people like I've spoken to you? What other God has delivered his people with his mighty outstretched arm as I've delivered you? What other God has come into the midst of his people? Opened the word and said, what you've heard is fulfilled. What you're waiting for is in your midst. What you long for is available now. Because Jesus preached and proclaimed all throughout the gospel of Mark, this message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Brothers and sisters, the time hasn't ceased to be fulfilled. It's fulfilled now. The Lord is here. He's ready to speak wisdom to you. He's doing it through his spirit, by his word, even now. Did you come expecting to hear from him? Or your, that's just Nathan, little Nathan from Kansas. We know him. Did I expect to hear from him as I'm speaking to you? Do we, do we anticipate him to do his mighty works in our midst to work salvation in hearts that are here that have yet to believe on the Lord? To comfort the grieving. To heal the lame. To raise the dead to life. Because aren't we dead in our sins and transgressions until God makes us alive? By his spirit? The Lord is doing mighty works. Are you expecting to see him or are you merely listening to a man? That is the question. Well, there's some things that we need to do to learn from this passage in order to ask some questions to make sure we're alive to the presence of God rather than just merely participating in another ritual. Let's learn from their questions. They say, the second question, what is this wisdom given to him? We need just to first consider the teaching. Consider what's being taught. Consider what's being proclaimed. They heard him teach. They heard him speak. They heard the reports about who Jesus was. The evidence was all around them. Just step back and consider it. It's the Lord's wisdom. They know it's wisdom because they say, where did, um, they, they say, what is this wisdom? What is the wisdom? They know it's wisdom that's given to him. They should ask, well, where does wisdom come from? Well, wisdom comes from the Lord. 
So where does this come from and who is this man? It's a man who has the Spirit of God upon him. But not merely a man with the Spirit of God. It is the Lord himself. So first consider the teaching, but then secondly, don't just believe the teaching, but believe the teaching that is accompanied with power. That's what distinguishes Jesus from other wise teachers is that he's able to bring with the teaching mighty works from his hand. And the Lord time and time again, all throughout the Old Testament is, I, I saved you with my outstretched hand. With my ar- mighty arm, I've delivered you. I have healed you. I have set you free with my outstretched arm. And they say, how are these mighty works done by what? His hand. It's the Lord who's in their midst. So consider, consider the teaching. It's the Lord's wisdom. Believe the teaching that's accompanied with the power because it is the Lord's mighty works. But then we need to actually follow in their example in one way, but flip the questions a bit. Notice how they're questioning Jesus, but they never question themselves. They question Jesus' authority. They question Jesus' power. They question Jesus' identity, but they never stop to question their questioning. So first, we need to consider the teaching. Second, we need to believe the teaching to come with power. But third, question your own questioning. Question your own presuppositions. Question your own preconceived ideas. And question your personal preference of what you think the Messiah should be and what you think the Messiah should do and how you think he should do it. Because they never turn the questions on themselves. They only question Jesus. The evidence is the Lord is in their midst. The wisdom's there. The mighty works are there. The testimony of surrounding regions are all there. The evidence says the Lord is here. But their own questioning says, no, that's merely just Jesus, the carpenter. And they never question their own questioning. But we ought to. Why am I not? paying attention to what Jesus has said? Why am I not believing the evidence? It's all around me. It's because our hardness of heart, because we're very slow to turn the questions back on ourselves. Because that requires a response. That requires a change. That requires an absolute reordering of your life. I remember sitting across from a dearly loved friend after hearing a wonderful sermon on the resurrection. We were both there, we were sitting there, and we were at lunch afterwards, and knowing that he was not a believer, one who, you know, boasts in his agnosticism. He's like, I'm, 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 too, uh, I'm too smart to be an atheist, but I'm, not, I'm an agnostic. And hearing a sermon on the resurrection and the evidence of the resurrection is laid out, but the proclamation of the gospel and what God accomplished in the resurrection was just unavoidably beautiful. My heart was on fire. He's over there kind of like, well, astonished. And I look over at him and I'm like, so what is it? He goes, oh, I know it's true. I know that God raised him from the dead. I know the evidence. I've heard the message, 
And I want it to be true so bad, but not to the point that I have to change. And I finally understood what this last verse 8 says. Upon the evidence, upon seeing, and upon hearing their response, and upon hearing my friend's response to the gospel message that I heard and that he heard, that I had received and he's still avoiding, I understood what verse 8 means. And Jesus marveled. Marveled. Because of their unbelief. They're astonished to the point of confusion, but Jesus is amazed. There's a way to amaze Jesus. And that is to consider that he's in your midst, doing all that the Lord God said he would do in your midst, speaking wisdom and working mighty works, and you still standing back and saying, we don't believe it. But actually, taking offense at it. You want to amaze Jesus? Look at him and go, I don't believe it. God is marveled when he displays his glory, when he displays his mighty works, and he speaks his wisdom to his people, and they stand back in unbelief, offended, God is amazed. He, he marvels at that. But it's a different word than astonishment. When we're astonished, we're amazed and confused. But marvel is just amazement. No confusion. Because he understands that it's not an intellect thing. It's not a reasoning thing. It's a human heart issue. That we know that if we receive, if we know that we take in what is being given to us, it requires a response and a reordering of our entire life. The Lord marvels at their unbelief. So let's flip that on its head. Let's marvel instead at the Lord's wisdom and his mighty works. And receive him. Receive the kingdom with repentance and faith. Lest the Lord marvel at our unbelief. And our unwillingness to accept him. And to receive him. And to reorder our lives around him. Marvel at the Lord's wisdom proclaimed. Marvel at the Lord's mighty works. Marvel at the announcement that the kingdom has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Marvel that the spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. He came to set the captives free. He came to deliver those who were sick. He came to raise the dead. Marvel at the evidence, lest he marvel at your unbelief. So who is this man? Who is this Jesus? He's not merely the carpenter the son of Mary, whose brothers and sisters were with them in his hometown. No, he is the Lord, whose wisdom and mighty works lead us to marvel, lest we remain in our unbelief. 
and he marvels at us. Brothers and sisters, what's required of us this morning is to consider the man who was anointed by the Spirit of God, but proclaimed to us to be the Son of God and whom God was pleased with. To consider him, to believe him, and believe his mighty works, to question our own questions, and allow him to speak and to reveal himself to us so that we marvel at him, lest he marvel at our unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your grace to reveal to us the Lord Jesus Christ through his word, through his proclamation, through his preaching, through his wisdom given to us, but also through the mighty works that you wrought by his hand. Lord, we remember how you delivered us, uh, your people, from Egypt by your mighty right hand, by your outstretched arm and with your power. And then you revealed yourself to your people, speaking from the fire on the mountain. But Lord, we also remember and are thankful that you came and you spoke to us in the flesh through your son Jesus, making known to us the wisdom of God, but also the power of God through your mighty works and mighty deeds bringing salvation to your people through the blood of his cross and his glorious resurrection. Lord, may we consider Jesus this morning. May we put our trust and our confidence in him, believing on him. And may we marvel at your wisdom and your mighty works so that you might see a people called by your name, giving you praise for who you are rather than a people questioning you doubting you, and putting their trust in their ability to explain what's going on. So, Father, help us now to hear your word, to receive your word, and to respond appropriately to it, because you have brought salvation to your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.